Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to The Incline, your Dodgers podcast for Dodgers talk, rumors, updates, and everything Dodgers. I'm Kevin Klein. I'm David Rosenthal. I'm Ian Nielsen. We're your host, and this podcast is powered by Dodgers Lowdown. And without further ado... It's Let's now ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger baseball. Well, what is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to another episode of The Incline. This is the last episode before we finally get some baseball because spring training is starting this Saturday when the Dodgers go to the Giants spring training ballpark and take on our rival. We actually have someone representing Arizona right now, our own Ian Nielsen. How's the weather out there in Arizona, Ian? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I got to actually go out in a shortened t-shirt for the first time in a while today. It was a nice uh, 78 degrees. It'll be 80 tomorrow. So it's, it's starting to heat up. Baseball's right around the corner. I mean, my Sun Devils, you know, started the season ranked number three, and now we're one and three, and we've scored a grand total of about negative six runs all season, so it's sweet. Um, but yeah, no, Scottsdale uh, against the Giants, I, if I was in town that day, I would definitely try to make it out there, but um, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. It'll be different to be able to be around um, Dodger spring training, so try to go out there as much and report on whatever I see as much as I can. And David is also heading out to Arizona pretty soon, so he can also give us some inside analysis of what's going on. How you doing, David? I am, David? yeah. I, I'm good, Kevin. Good to be here. Uh, I am. I'll be there from March 5th to the 9th. Uh, it will be my first time going to spring training, so I'm excited about that. Uh, hoping for some nice weather. Hopefully it's hot. And uh, first look at Mookie Betts. Get to see all oh, the prospects yeah. up, up close and personal. It'll be a good time. I've been to so, one spring training game in my entire life, and it was Scott Casimir who took the mound <laughs> for the Dodgers, and we all we all know how how that worked out. Yeah, Kazmier. that was like that must have been one of seven times he took the mound for the Dodgers, <laughs> including preseason and probably yeah. bullpen sessions. Yeah, yeah. You ever, have you seen that? Have you seen that viral t- tweet going around where it's like um, this dude says, "All right, who's like an athlete that was on your team that just looked out of place?" Yeah, like Scott Casimir. I kind of forgot he was a Dodger for a moment. And I remember the contract, but like him actually pitching, I really am trying to think. I can't, like I knew he wore number twenty nine, but I can't really like visualize him throwing in a Dodger uniform. Like I, I am ninety percent sure he's still on the payroll for twenty twenty. <laughs> he is. Camp? He is making. He will make eight million in twenty twenty of deferred salaries. Wow, so, one of my least favorite signings in Dodger history. And funny enough, on the other side, Kettle Marte had hit a home run off him for the Seattle Mariners, and who would have ever thought he'd be in our division? So, yeah, this is going to be a very pretty heavy spring training episode, at least to start the show, because there's a (laughs) lot of guys coming into camp. Some of them are fighting to make the big league roster. So most of the guys are a lock, but let's start with position players. Who, if any – do you think is on the brink of major league or triple A? Um, I, with the 26 man roster, I believe you get what is another position player. I believe I'm not sure. Yeah, I know 13, 13. 13. Yeah. That, that's what I thought. 13 and 13. Okay. Um, that, that does change it around a little bit. Cause as I see it right now, um, the only place I see kind of a battle is the bullpen for a couple, for about two or three spots. One of them will have to go to a lefty. So for position players, to me, we know who the starters are. Um, you're going to have either Peterson or Pollock on the bench. You're going to have Austin Barnes on the bench. You're going to have Kike and Taylor on the bench. That makes four. You're going to have Matt Beatty on the roster. So there's one one guy that's really playing for a roster spot right there, and that to me is kind of between like the Zach McKinstry, the um, – I don't know, whoever they might sign. there. It, 
position players, I really don't see much of a competition. But if we look right now, I would say the players I have them written down right here are sort of between McKinstry. Gavin Lux will probably be a starter, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, Edwin Rios is one of those guys. That, that's yeah. kind of what – I mean, seriously, it's probably between those three. I, I mean, I know Luke Rayleigh is also on the 40-man. He was just acquired. But one of those guys, unless they sign a minor leaguer, maybe during spring, it's – to me, the position players, there's not much of a battle. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we know 12 of them for sure. Uh, I mean, we have – you're going to get Smith Barnes, Muncie, Lux, Seeger, Turner, Taylor, Kike, Pollock, Jock, Bellinger, and Betts. So that leaves one. And Beatty. And- and, and Beatty, yes. Sorry, did I miss Beatty? Yeah. No, 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 yeah. He'll, he'll be on the roster, I would assume. Okay, well, then that's it. That's the roster. Those, that's 13 guys. Uh, Beatty's going to get the last spot unless, you know, something drastic happens. But, yeah, I mean, McKinstry could make a run. Rios could make a run. If one of those guys was right-handed, I would say they have a, a much higher chance of, of taking that last spot from Beatty. Uh, but since both of those guys are lefties, I think Beatty's, you know, his, his 2019 – performance if he has a decent spring training will give him the edge there I think that's a that's a shoe in for the for the position players yeah for sure I agree with you guys if any battle is going to occur it'll be Beatty versus Rios and I'm not going to call Beatty a lock just yet because Rios was probably the 27th guy last year when it came to the roster and yeah he was pretty high up in their farm system to begin with. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I believe he was higher than Beatty from the get-go. Much higher. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. So Beatty the talent, very highly ranked. Yeah, so the talent is on Beatty's side. We've seen him hit some monster home runs already last season. He Rios. Got, he got really his first dose in the majors last season. Usually when that happens, it carries over to you in spring training. And we've seen guys like Walker Buehler, Jock Peterson – and I guess even Corey Seager, although he t- tore it up right away, they really just progress in that kind of sophomore season. And then the other guy, I don't think he's going to make the roster, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye out on him, DJ Peters. Yeah. I want to see if he can start to put things together. He's going to be 25 at the end of the year. Big, powerful right-handed bat. Probably not going to make the opening day roster, but maybe he can make an impression and get called up later on in the season if there is an injury. I'm certain he'll be on the team in September. I'm certain about that for sure. I like that take. I don't. I, I agree with Kevin. I don't think he'll be there opening day, but that dude is a monster. He's got insane power. He can basically do everything. Uh, the talent's off the charts, and you know if they need, you know if he if he plays out of his mind like Gavin Lux did in, in AAA, AA, then uh, he's going to be on that roster. Uh, one thing about Rios, though, and why I think Beatty has the advantage over him, Rios, he did hit 277 uh, in 2019 over 56 plate appearances, but he did strike out 21 times. Uh, and I think Beatty gives you the, the guy who's going to put the ball in play. Uh, you know, he's shown – Matt Beatty is, has shown that he's super clutch. Uh, I think he had one – he definitely had one, maybe two walk-offs last year. Uh, and, you know, he consistently – uh, you know, he hit 265 over 249 at bats. So that's like, you know, they're not going to ask much more of, of their their last guy on their roster, you know. Yeah. And then looking at the non-roster invites, you never know if one of these guys surprised, but I just don't see it this year. I agree. Not a position player-wise. Yes. Certainly not a position player. I'll, I'll say that much as well. Last year there was the Brad Miller battle. I was hoping he would get a roster spot because he had sneaky power kind of, but. Um, yeah. yeah, if if any non-roster guy comes, it'll be someone that is not a part of the Dodgers organization right now. I think it would be a free agent that they would sign. And as of right now, no idea who that would be. But you know what? Justin Turner was that guy at one point, so you never know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Moving over to the starting rotation. We'll cover that right now. There are a lot of guys. Arguably, there's anywhere between 8 to 10 guys on this roster that could be in the starting rotation. But for me... The one guy I'm going to keep my eye out on this spring training is Julio Arias. I think this is the year we finally see him break out. And if he's in the rotation to start the season, I don't think he's going back in the bullpen much at all in the 2020 season. So I am keeping my eye out on Arias this spring training. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, they said 
couple months ago that he they were going to operate under the premise that he is going to be a starter in 2020. Uh, I think he it's his job to lose at this point. They, the training wheels, you know, got to come off at some point, and it's been, you know, one or two years of training wheels. Uh, and, you know, with the addition of Price makes it a little interesting because that's another left-hander in their starting rotation. So if they were go- – if they were to go with Arias and let's say Alex Wood, that would be four left-handers uh, in their starting rotation. Uh, but I mean, I'll make my case for Dustin May a little bit later once we once we get to that point. But uh, I think Arias, unless he has a horrible spring training, will be that number four starter. Yeah, I was gonna say right now we already know the starting rotation. You got Bueller, you got Kershaw, you've got Price locked in. I mean, there's there's no way it won't be one of those three. And to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you, uh, I th- I. I doubt they open with a six-man rotation, though they could have a long man coming out of the pen, maybe making spot starts. Uh, unless someone absolutely – yeah, possibly a stripling. Unless someone absolutely blows chunks, I'm talking Urias or Alex Wood, I see those as the four and five to begin the year. Um, though I know the left-handed thing. The Dodgers have – I mean, if any teams had experience having dominantly, predominantly uh, left-handed rotations, it's been the Dodgers over the last – decade they've had some rotations where I think at one point it was a five-man rotation of all lefties before Walker Bueller came in I mean they, they've had no issue with that so I I really just as of right now I see it starting out with the Kershaw Bueller Price Urias and Wood as the five and then Dustin May I have I'm if I were to, if I'm a betting man Dustin May possibly starts the season in AAA not because he's lacking talent clearly I think he's got as high of a ceiling as anybody in major league baseball to be an ace. Um, but you just, the guys like Gonzalez and the guys like may, you're going to want to kind of weed them in this season. They're still young. Uh, you want to put inning limits on those guys and the LA Dodgers, let's be honest. I mean, I don't want to, you know, speak too soon, but they're seven time. Yeah. They, they've won the division seven years in a row. I'd be shocked if they don't, get to October this year. So this team's not worrying about April. They don't need to worry about April. Their division's a little bit stronger, but this is the best roster they've ever had, I think. So they can kind of – you can throw the striplings. You can throw the woods. You you can have these guys start, and you can save Dustin May and Gonzalez. You can save these guys for later in the year. So I I wouldn't tinker with that. I'd throw out the veterans and Urias and roll with your starting rotation. And to be quite honest, it's a hell of a starting rotation right there that I just mentioned. Yeah. So yeah. moving on to the other guys, because there's a few others, and then we'll circle back to Dustin May, because I'm sure, da- I'm sure David has some things to say about him. Mm-hmm. Ross Stripling, Jimmy Nelson, who's currently injured. Dave Roberts just said yesterday or the day before, if Nelson is battling injuries, then he might transition into the type of Brandon Morrow, ro- <laughs> Brandon Morrow role. Which I, I could that. definitely see. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw the uh, Gurnick tweet. It, it basically, in so many words, said that Friedman has basically admitted Jimmy Nelson's not a starter. Jimmy Nelson will be a reliever this season. Um, yeah, the Brandon Morrow thing I could definitely see. Uh, Jimmy Nelson, at this point, I've kind of taken him out of the starting rotation options because uh, of injuries and because the Dodgers signed him and have made it pretty clear that they will probably use him as a reliever. So... That to me is kind of makes the battle of the bullpens a little bit more of an interesting twist because you only have so many guys and there's already so many dudes that you know are going to be on the roster for the bullpen. So that to me is the big battle and throwing Nelson as a full on reliever makes it that much more tough to judge. And it's going to make the spring training that much more crucial for a lot of these guys. I mean, Yadier Alvarez, a former top prospect, non-roster guy, he's going to be throwing bullpen sessions. And they said after the 30 day thing, you know, if it come spring training, come the end, he might, if he impresses, end up being back on the 40-man. Possibly he believe, gets a crack with the big league club at some point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this this bullpen situation is basically like that scene from Batman where the Joker breaks the pool stick in two and tells the guys to fight, and then the winner yeah. will that, – that's basically what's going yeah. on in this Dodgers bullpen. I mean, Nelson signed that, that incentive-based uh, deal – where it's if he pitches in 40 games or 60 innings this season, the option becomes $5 million. So I think, like Ian said, I think this was intended for them to, for Nelson to be a reliever. Uh, and I, I love that. I love that he's, you know, he can be a Brandon Morrow guy. And I think if he stays healthy and pitches all right in spring training, I think he will get that nod. Um, 
However, you, Ian, you brought something up that I want to uh, expand on. You said the Dodgers are for sure going to be in October, and that's, that's obviously a certainty at this point, which yeah. brings me to my point why I do think they are going to use a six-man rotation. You got Clayton Kershaw, who's not 25-year-old Clayton Kershaw anymore. <laughs> you got David Price, who's coming off an injury-prone in, uh, injury uh, 2019. You got Arias, who they've babied for three years. And you got Bueller, who had Tommy John surgery in the past. So the six-man rotation is a perfect way to start the year for this Dodgers team. It gets Alex Wood in the rotation. And I'm telling you now, Dustin May will pitch his way into the rotation at some point. And I think, personally, Absolutely. I think that will be during spring training. I think he's going to pitch so well. He's been working on his curveball and his changeup, which is the, the one thing he's been missing. He's been missing, missing that third pitch. I think he's going to force their hand into using a six-man rotation. And this team can afford it. It's, it lightens the load on Kershaw, Bueller, Price, Arias, and May, all of them. Uh, I think it's a perfect, a perfect solution for – it's a good problem to have, and I think it's a perfect solution to that problem. I love the idea of Dustin May being in the rotation. And if, if that if he's able to pitch his way in and he forces their hand, so be it. I think that's great. Uh, I certainly think he pitches his way. I would guess he would pitch his way by the latest into the rotation by the summer, similar mm-hmm. to the way Walker Bueller did that one year in 2018. Very possible. Though I would not be surprised at the same time if Ross Stripling is the sixth man in the rotation to begin the year. I, I wouldn't I be surprised judging based off, off of the past and how much they yeah, love based him. Off the um, but I'm just going off of, of talent and, and, oh, you yeah. know, I, I think you can't, if may has developed a third pitch that's effective, you can't, you just simply have to pitch. Him. He, he's got I mean, young potential. Yeah, he does. I've said it on my Twitter account many times. I think I'm not saying he will be, but he has the potential to be better than Walker Bueller. He has he incredible stuff. The sinker and the cutter is are phenomenal. Uh, and once he hones down that third pitch, the curve or the change, it's over. It's over. It is literally over for the National League. Well, I'm not ready to write out Tony Gonsolin just yet either. I think there's about True. a 20% chance, pretty low on this, but he could win a starting spot over Dustin May right now. Mm-hmm. He could. He showed Tony it last Gonzalez, year yeah. against the Yankees and the Cardinals. He can pitch some pretty big games. And Absolutely. Go ahead. A little bit lower risk um, than Dustin May, I think, and not, not even as much in injury sense. It's, Tony Gonzalez, I think, has more of a ceiling that we'd be aware of being that he's – I think he's coming into his age 26 season now. He's a little bit of an older prospect. Uh, still very talented, don't get me wrong. Has a – I predicted last year he would – crack the roster in October and make a big difference that I didn't, didn't really get a chance to. Um, but yeah, Tony Gonzalez to me is he's somewhere in between that May and Stripling kind of guy where Stripling to me is the most overly cautious, very safe, very he's low, low risk. Yeah. He's a bandaid. And Dustin May is an explosive top prospect. Gonzalez falls somewhere in the middle where he will give you more raw talent and he's got more ability to be, have a slice stuff than a raw Stripling though at the same time, he doesn't need to be babied. And I'm not saying babied in a wrong way, but with a guy like Dustin May, you do not want to take chances. With a guy like Tony Gonzalez, a little bit older, a little bit more of a cap on what you know you're going to get from him, yeah, I, I, I would not, if he, if he, I, I think his thing comes down to spring training, really. He, spring training will be huge for him. That'll determine whether he's a starter or a reliever. That yep. can determine whether he's in the majors or the minors. Yep. Because I think a lot of these other guys, you kind of know what they are. Dustin May, I he might, you know, be in the bullpen at some point, but he's similar to yes. Walker Buehler. He's, he's too good for that. He's going to be a starter. You know yep. he's going to be a starter by the end of the season. He's going to be in the playoff rotation, in my opinion. I agree. Yes. Let's move things over to the bullpen now, round it out. I'm going to start with what, in my opinion, is the biggest weakness on this Dodgers roster, and it's left-handed relief pitching. Now, they have a lot of left-handed starters, but when you look at the bullpen – it starts with Victor Gonzalez, which I don't really know much about. Then you got Adam Kolarik, who is great at getting one out, but with this new rule change, who knows what his value is going to be. Then you got Scott Alexander, who just has not shown it yet as a Dodger. And then there's Caleb Ferguson, who had a pretty bad sophomore season. But of these four guys, he's the one that's most likely going to give you length. 
So I'm going to be watching Ferguson this spring training to see if he can really rebound from what was a very disappointing 2019. I, I, I think Ferguson and Kolarik have the edge there. Uh, there was a stretch last year where Ferguson, he threw together, I think it was 11 scoreless innings uh, in a row. And uh, he's got potential. Uh, he's, you know, he's not going to be, you know, a lockdown left-handed reliever. But like Kevin said, he's going to give you length. He can come in, uh, you know, if there's two lefties coming up and, you know, he can, he can face right-handers. So he can, he can be in that choleric role, but also with the new rule change, he can go past that. Uh, so I think he it's I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with Kolarik because the rule states it does state that it's either three batters or the end of or till the end of the inning so they can use Kolarik with one out or two outs just to get an out uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with with Ferguson Kolarik Alexander and those guys if they keep one they keep two I, I would imagine they keep two guys two left-handed uh, relievers yeah, no, you brought up the point. Um, left-handed relief pitching is their biggest weakness, which, to be quite honest with you, um, the fact that relief pitching alone is not their biggest weakness is a sign of improvement for me for the LA Dodgers. It's been yeah, their a biggest huge weakness. Yeah, I think the bullpen's really coming together a lot better. Uh, we already know Kenley Jansen, Joe Kelly, Blake Trinan, and Pedro Baez are the four absolute locks for the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to go Floro and Stripling are probably in the bullpen as well. Um, granted Stripling doesn't get a starting rotation kind of spot. Maybe he's the swing man. He's look five man rotation, eight man bullpen 13. Um, yeah, it really comes down to Alexander Kolarik and Ferguson. I'd like to highlight Kolarik for a minute. Adam Kolarik, as you guys mentioned, one out guy, that's what we know him as because we never really watch. I'm not going to, you know, assume, but I, I'm going to guess you guys probably same as me did not watch him a whole lot when he was in Tampa Bay, nor did I think most of Dodger fans even know who Adam Kolarik was when he came over at the trade deadline. Adam Kolarik, believe it or not, was a workhorse for Tampa Bay. He pitched multiple innings. He was the kind of guy that would go out and give him innings. The Dodgers used him and utilized him in a different sense. With the new rule change, it could force their hand a little bit differently. He has as much, you know, talent. I, I, you know, he's capped a little bit as well. He does. He's not hard throwing. He's not dominant. But he's a very good finesse pitcher, and we've seen he's able to get left-handed batters specifically out. To me, he has the edge. Caleb Ferguson really did not do himself any favors last year, though I think he has far and away the highest ceiling of any uh, left-handed relief pitcher. I mean, Scott Alexander is easily the third. He has been a huge disappointment in Los Angeles. I kind of pegged him as being the guy that would be Kenley Jansen's eighth inning man for years because of his ability to get ground balls, and he still gets ground balls, but his control's not been there. Injuries have been an issue. Um, so you've got those three. I, I just think we need to um, – we need to readjust the way we look at Kolarik because if the Dodgers utilize him the way Tampa Bay did, it's completely different. You're talking a completely different relief pitcher. And then, yeah, he's going he's gonna to get his chances in spring training to face right-handers. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. And then that'll determine a lot too. You know, see how he faces against right-handers. Um, and then I'm really interested to see where the eighth spot goes. This is where I think the right-handers shine because they're just simply more talented than the left-handers. Uh, Tony Gonsolin. Again, guy that could determine starter or reliever, triple-A minor league. Uh, Broodsar Gratoral from Minnesota, the guy we traded Kenta Maeda for. Maeda, we assumed, would get a spot. Does this Gratoral guy slide in, take the spot? He's got as much talent and power as anybody there is, and he's a top prospect. Maybe he's not a starter right now, but he's certainly got the potential to be the lockdown reliever by the end of the season. Jimmy Nelson would not be surprised if the – Battle is not even him and these guys. This is the battle could be between him and Floro, possibly. If Floro doesn't pitch well, is he a guy that, you know, possibly doesn't start the major league roster with the Los Angeles Dodgers come, you know, opening day? Is Nelson that guy? And then Dennis Santana, another guy similar to Alvarez, was a top prospect at one point, has had it dealt with issues, slipped down a little bit. Maybe he's not looked at as a starter, but potentially a reliever. Who knows? He's still very young. Right. Anything else you guys – want to add or should we transition to the next topic we can uh, transition to the next yeah topic. Let's, let's move on i All think right. yeah we covered a lot there yeah time to navigate towards a question and there will be the perfect segue into this topic darla jimenez asks on twitter at darling darla 18 very Curious. loyal fan by the way yeah yes yes shout absolutely her, yes shout out to her real fan curious to know 
how you guys think this scandal will realistically play out. I don't see Manfred going back and giving additional punishments unless new information comes out and players were found to be lying. Okay, Ian, uh, do you want me to go or do you, you want to close it out? You could go first. I got quite a lot to say. Okay, yeah, I know Ian has a lot to say here, so I'll try to keep this one short. I don't think Rob Manfred is going to do anything. Uh, he's proven he is out of touch. He is a coward. He has no sense of baseball in general. Uh, his punishment was shameful. His press conference was even more shameful. He's, he, try, he took the angle of trying to sweep it all under the rug, and basically everyone said that is not how this is going to go down. Uh, countless players have come out destroying him. Justin Turner absolutely eviscerated him. Uh, <laughs> Trout, Bellinger, Judge. LeBron uh, James. LeBron James, Nick Markakis. <laughs> all these guys just went in on Rob Manfred, and deservedly so. He is a sniveling coward who deserves no respect after this whole botched situation. Okay. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I think this is going to stick. I don't think they're going to take away the title. I don't think they're going to do well, anything else. Let me counter that because you said the keyword coward. And that's what's going to lead me to my claim. It might not happen today. It might not happen next month. It might not happen in the next two years. But eventually, the Houston Astros will have their 2017 World Series title vacated and taken away from them, mark my words. Maybe with a new commissioner. And, that's, and I think Manfred will end up doing it because eventually he's going to cave in to peer pressure as long as everyone doesn't let this topic lighten up. Keep it coming. The more people that speak out, the more that his job starts to get on the line, Rob Manfred will cave in to fix the ship. Okay, Ian. I'll get my popcorn. Yeah. I've known kids like Rob Manfred in high school and college. They um, <laughs> seemingly don't have any sort of personality. They're afraid to do anything on their own. And they always kind of huddle into a group. And they kind of hang out in the back. And that's not what you need from a leader. And Rob Manfred, for all intents and purposes, is the president of Major League Baseball. He is the face of what you – I mean, obviously, he's not the face of the game. You know Mike Trout is or – you know, whoever you want it to be, one of the players. But he is the guy that is in control, and he has really proven on this that he's weak. Um, another point, a couple weeks ago we spoke about, because this is kind of a rip on Rob Manfred for a little while. Um, obviously, I would, you know, to answer Darla's question, no. I, I do, I agree with David, though I see Kevin's point, and I will bring that up in a moment. Um, he's failed as a leader. Um you know, I, and I understand to a certain degree that he, he cannot, you know, ban and, you know, remove every player that was on the 2017 team from the league. I understand the players' union would never allow that to happen. There are certain things in the Constitution of Major League Baseball, similar to the Constitution of the United States, that limits the power of a figurehead. I understand that. With that being said, Rob Manfred has shown more passion and more aggression and more willingness to, you know, be the heavy in this whole batters being hit thing than he ever did in the cheating scandal. And that to me is the driving point that is the issue in this whole thing. He has not set a stronghold on what should be happening in the league. And, you know, just to respond to a tweet I'd seen from Colin Cowherd, you know, he's, he's saying, Oh, so at one point it was Roger Goodell's the worst. And at one point it was Adam Silver's the worst. No. Okay. Adam Silver back in 2014 when Donald Sterling had made comments that were racist, did everything in his power, which is far more limited in the NBA than Major League Baseball, to make sure that that owner was removed and basically made sure the Clippers were sold for what he'd done. Major League Baseball, believe it or not, gives way more authority to the commissioner to fine, suspend, and remove owners who act contrary, and I quote, to the best interests in baseball. Cheating and using electronics is not the best interest of baseball. I don't care what anybody says, and I don't care if it increases the offense, and I don't care if that might, in your opinion, increase ratings. And that, to me, is why I'm so concerned about Rob Manfred in this position. It's dangerous for him for baseball to be where he is. Remember the juice baseballs? Remember all that? You know, this to me, it's all starting to come together. We have... it. it 
it's safe to say that he does not care about the he does not care about the game of baseball. No, he, he doesn't does care about the tradition. And this is starting to get very concerning. He cares about Major- one thing, and that's yeah. money. Yeah. And, and the things you know, he's doing to try to get that are backwards and not working. Yeah. And and this new playoff format thing is a you know it's an absolute joke that they're trying to throw at. It's any time when there's a huge like scandal in in a country. Throw out something new. Throw out something that's kind of you know distracting. Throw out some ridiculous thing. That's what this is. It's trying to cover up and you know distract from the real problem in the league, which is that technology is being manipulated. And the Houston Astros, though I believe they're the biggest defenders, I think this could has the potential to be a serious problem, especially if not addressed properly, which it hasn't been. I understand that Jim Crane may not have been even aware of some of this, but he is the owner of a team. Whenever the owner or the CEO or the manager is in control and put at the top, you don't go to a McDonald's and complain to the employee because they don't have any power. You complain to the manager who oftentimes is completely unaware of something, but they take the blame. They take the fault. It falls on their shoulders. This, I am sorry, falls on Jim Crane's shoulders. And especially after seeing his weak, you know, unwillingness and complete, you know, just absolute condescending tone toward the media and baseball fans and baseball in general, you got to set an example. The major league owners came together and basically forced Frank McCourt to sell the LA Dodgers because it was not profitable and in the best interest in their opinion in baseball. Marge Schott and George Steinbrenner had both been banned. Jim Crane needs to be made an example of, and Rob Manfred has the power to do this and he's choosing not to for a reason. And that's the problem in baseball right there. Yep. He has an opportunity to be a leader. He has an opportunity to make change. And he's sticking with the status quo. Presidents that do that do not get remembered. Abraham Lincoln is remembered for doing the most uncomfortable thing that he had to do in the history of the United States, which was launch a civil war. And it, you know, paid off. If he takes action and acts uncomfortable right now, Rob Manfred, it will be better for the league in general, but he doesn't want to do that, and he has the power to do that. I don't care what anybody says. He doesn't need to ban every player, but you can do something with ownership, and that will set an example, and that will cause owners and people at the top to make sure that this kind of thing never happens again. We appreciate well, the passion, and you yeah, brought he up had some... His, he had his chance in that ship sale. He's just trying to get this season going. You brought up someone that I was going to say myself, but you beat me to the punch. Props to Bud Selig for forcing the McCourt family to sell the Dodgers and do the right thing. Yeah. One fact I'd like to bring up about Rob Manfred. When he took over as commissioner in 2015, the average length of a nine-inning baseball game was two hours and 56 minutes. Last year in 2019, the average length of a major league baseball game in nine innings is three hours and five minutes. I thought he had a whole initiative to speed up the game and make it faster. Yet the average game is now nine minutes longer. What is going on there yet? Attendance in 2015 when he took over was 73 million, 700,000 people showing up. It's dipped down in 2019 to 68,400 so to me, it looks like we've lost 5 million fans along his tenure. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down for you. The real baseball fans don't care if a game is 10 minutes shorter. The problem is marketing. They aren't doing a good job of marketing this to young people. That's, that's where you will get your revenue. That's where you will get your viewership up. He doesn't need to keep doing these little changes, this three-batter rule to save seven minutes off of a game. It's ridiculous. He's, he's doing everything wrong, uh, and it's such a simple solution. It, it really is simple. I mean, you have superstars on, on 15 teams that you could market and, and, and try to get kids to, to look up to. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's mind-blowing to me, the things he's, he's trying to do. To like, I see his, where, he's, where he's going with it, but his path to get there is just so backwards. Mike Trout plays in Southern California in the L.A. market. Cody Bellinger plays in L.A. Aaron Judge plays in New York. John Carlos Stanton plays in New York. Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole both play in New York, even though it's new. These are major markets. Chris Bryant. I, Chris Bryant is a I'm, – like, I'm sorry to say, he's a good-looking dude. He's athletic. He's young. He's cool. 
he you know Acuna. stands up for himself. Ronald, Acuna, you got Atlanta. these guys in big markets. How are they failing? I understand, you know, in the NBA when Giannis plays in Milwaukee, but these are guys, the best player in baseball plays in, you know, as much as I give him crap for being the Anaheim Angels, he plays in the LA market. How are they failing this badly? I mean, there's tons of players in the NBA that are superstars that are selling multi-million dollar, sending these contracts for shoe deals that are not making the playoffs and having success. Mike Trout's problem is that he's not making the playoffs. That's not the issue. It is completely marketing. I mean, yeah. Bryce Harper has the perfect personality of a superstar. Mm-hmm. And even though I rip on him for being overrated, the fact that he's not, you know, one of the most recognizable faces in America is a little bit mind-boggling. Every me. Baker Mayfield ad should be a Bryce Harper ad. They have, yes. they have very similar personalities, and I see Baker Mayfield on TV all the time. I don't see Bryce Harper doing anything, and that's, that's Rob Manfred's fault. Hot take, but the marketing and fanhood of Alex Caruso is stronger than Mike Trout. Yeah, just because, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Just because yeah. the marketing is Just a NBA Twitter. And Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Social media. Um, real quick, point I'd like to make, um, just going back to the whole, you know, we're just going to crap on Rob Manford right now. So one thing I would love uh, to mention, and I'm a huge fan of, is – We've taken history classes. All of us, uh, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners have as well, at some point taken a history class. And at a certain point, you've learned in United States history, when you want to make change, an entire group of people needs to come together, recognize what you want change with, and move on and do that. Major League Baseball players and people outside of Major League Baseball even are seeing the issue with this cheating scandal, and they are putting pressure on. And I am a huge fan of it. I doubt any players listening to me right now, um, but fans, anyone, you know, aware of this, put the pressure on and don't, don't take the pressure off because this is the way change is made. And that's why I'm a huge fan of players stepping up because they are realizing that they are all in this fraternity of baseball players together and they need to stick together for each other because there are careers like Mike Bolsinger who are possibly getting ruined from something like this that is completely manipulating the game. So, I, you know what, props to these players, um, especially guys like Mike Trout, that their whole brand or lack thereof is being the quiet guy that just, you know, keeps their head down and does business. When someone like that is stepping up and saying stuff, and when all these players come together and say things and act together, this is how change is brought. When fans and people stand up to the ownership and do this, owners, even aside from Rob Manfred being in power, will come together and say, this is bad for the league. This is bad. We need to do something. So yeah, I mean, when Mike Trout, I mean, when Mike Trout, you know, the quietest guy of all time says something, you know, it's bad. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. I think it's time for out of left field. Right. Um, So at this time of the year, um, college campuses have a lot of new faces, high school students walking around with their parents, um, and it's an exciting young, it's an exciting time in a young person's life. It was, you know, a thrill for me to go on college campuses and kind of look forward to the future. Um, and it's really an awesome opportunity that I'm so glad these kids are having chances for. Juniors are going to visit campuses. Seniors are getting their acceptance letters and deciding where they want to go and go into their orientation. So warms my heart to see these kids here. But I have just one piece of advice and one sort of complaint that if you're a parent, that's listening to this or on the off chance you're young and you care about baseball and us so much, which thank you if you do. And you're listening to this, learn to do your laundry and like learn to do adult things before you get to college. I swear the biggest issue that I'm seeing and it's crazy. Like I have a friend, for example, who, you know, he's from Southern California, moved out to Arizona, lives here now. And every Sunday goes over to his like aunt's house, brings a bag of laundry, has dinner with them, and then has his laundry done there. I don't understand how these simple adult tasks are being like lost on kids coming to coming to universities and growing up. Mm. It's time of transition. But like I understand certain ways you're gonna have to grow up. You're gonna have to on your own learn your own responsibility. On your own, you're gonna have to learn. Gotta study and maybe not party tonight. But come on, man, like like I'm so glad my parents did it with me like cook learn how to cook some pasta learn how to do your laundry learn these simple things because the problem is you get babied for 18 years and then you come to a university and then you don't know how to handle simple tasks 
tasks. And then when something serious happens, you, you know, possibly form bad habits and possibly in some cases, some kids form addictions and it's, it's not good. So you got to learn to grow up home first, uh, force yourself to do it. But man, this, I swear, it's like the biggest epidemic I see is kids just, it's like children are, it's like children are raising children sometimes or something. It's crazy. And at college, it's like little kids all over again. So uh, one year at, at school has turned you into Wilfred, Wilfred Brimley, I see. Yeah, dude, I'm getting old, yeah. man. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, like laundry, for real. Tide pods, it's not difficult. No, no, you're right. It's a good take. Okay, but in reality, I'm act- I've actually been Wilfred Brimley the past three weeks with my out of left field. And that trend <laughs> continues today because this is one I am passionate about. So here's my take. Car lights. Headlights <laughs> are so damn bright they are too bright the intended purpose of the car lights is to obviously light up the road for the driver and the 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 lights they're putting in these cars today it is blinding for everyone who's driving either coming up coming on incoming traffic and you get blinded it's like a, a navy seal has just shine a light on my face and i can't see and now i'm in danger of crashing these led lights are ridiculous they have the opposite effect of the intended purpose, and it's, it's, it's driving me crazy. I am dangerously close to buying night driving glasses because this is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I think we reached peak, I don't know what it's called, peak lumens or peak amplitude, whatever the term is for, for, for lights, peak wattage in like 1980. Those lights, I mean, I wasn't alive, but those lights seemed perfect. They're not too bright. You can still see the road, and they're not blinding oncoming traffic i i am insistent and even some street lights that are led lights it's like you're you're not even looking at them and it's just like oh you're getting a headache from them so there's my impassioned plea i'm tired of these stupid led lights blinding me on the road Uh, i hate driving at night now this technology is ridiculous uh like i said 1980 1990 that's all the light we need we can see if you can't see with the 1990s lights get off the road in the first place you know, the weekend song, Blinding Lights, you know, some people think it might have been written about the club or, you know. No, it's the damn being car out partying, But yeah, no, it was, he, was, he was just driving. That's all it was about. I mean, God, it's, I, I really am Wilfred Brimley these days, but it's true. All of these takes are true. And I'm sorry if you disagree, but I'm right. And like My- 99% of these takes are like just human failure and stupidity. It's amazing to me. And it's we're just, just and doing it's like, and it's like the masking. Yes. We're doing too much for people that can't at all. And you're right about that. Get off like the road. You, don't you go to college. You reach a certain peak, yeah. peak of lumens and you don't need to go above that. We can see. And now we can't see because you went over the limit. So thanks. My eyes. Thank you. Maybe you should start wearing sunglasses at night. I'm, vision, I'm baby. literally, I'm after this, I will, I will be on Amazon looking at night driving glasses because I've had it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyone I- has any good recommendations, send them my way. I don't care if you're 75 years old and you need them. I, I, I'm in that, I'm in that can't park of where I need them right now. I have a quickie and that's a thing that's been on my mind recently. Just seems like wherever I walk these days, they're there and it's Girl Scout cookies. I've already Ooh. had four different flavors this season. What do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about Girl Scout cookies? Are you a fan? I would honestly like to say I've been catfished. Um, I love Girl Scout cookies, um, but I'm going to pull them out of my fridge right now. I'm really disappointed. My mini fridge is right next to me. There's a new cookie that they're selling called Lemon Ups. Yes. Um, Oh, God. Why? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to be – I'm going to tell you why. I, I am a huge connoisseur, and I will use the word connoisseur for Girl Scout cookies. Uh, you know, Thin Mints, Shortbreads, all that. Lemonades were always my favorite. Growing oh up, I don't know goodness. why. I don't know why I liked them. Lemonades were great. I see the lemon cookies in the little yellow package. I'm thinking, cool, we got lemonades. I come home and I open them, and I swear, dude, it's like, I don't know what happened. Because these are not lemon. This is not the same. So Girl Scout cookies in 2020, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, like, I love the business skills, and Thin Mints are still great. But, like, you, you guys got to up your game because – there is a decline. This is you got is Rob Manfred running like the Girl Scout cookie operation now or something? Because these lemon ups are not the same thing. And I'm actually kind of heated, not gonna I'm lie. really doing too much. I'm really glad you brought up the lemonade cookies, because that's a new one for 2020. They actually got rid of what was like my second favorite Girl Scout cookie for those ones you're talking about. And it was the Savannah Smiles, 
which was a crisp, zesty lemon wedge yes. cookie dusted yes. with powdered sugar. What is wrong sugar. with you guys and lemon? You don't put lemon Dude. in cookies. You Dude, sure do. You're, you're, not, you're not putting lemon in cookies. This is the artificial flavor of lemon. Yeah. Just for the same reason, you know. So I tried yeah. the ones you were just talking about, the lemonade or whatever, and I was very disappointed. Not only did it lack. Yeah, because it's lemon flavored. It lacked no. a citrus lemon taste to it. It was almost like a shortbread cookie. With like weird, like with hint of lemon icing or something. It was yes, so it was very disappointing. Okay, so for, I'm just going to get a rational take on this on this subject. Thin Mints and Samoas are the only two Girl Scout cookies worth eating. No, s'mores are great. Dave, That's David, my favorite. Thin Mints and Samoas <sighs> with possibly shortbread or I think they're called tre- tre- trefoils or whatever. Those, Those are, are the only three that you can s'mores. eat. The rest, put the rest in the trash, no, especially s'mores, the lemon ones. S'mores is a summer cookie. When you go are camping, we not gonna, you want s'mores. Are we not okay. going to talk about tagalongs, the peanut butter cookies? Come on, those okay, are number fine. two. Tagalongs are like number four. But okay, but you can you can buy the lemon ones so you can you know support your local Girl Scout troop or whatever. But once you open them, dump them straight in the trash. That's the proper way to eat a lemon flavored cookie. I want um, everyone to coming tweet. from the guy that's eating coconut though on his cookies. I I'm sorry, but like. Mm, Samoas, Samoas are delicious. Samoas. I want everyone to tweet at the Incline Pod what your Girl Scout cookie takes are and which one is your favorite. Do us all that favor, please. Tweet us your favorite Girl Scout cookie. Uh, carry on. Yes, and with all due respect to David, he's I'm gonna guess I'm gonna say he's the exception to the rule, but people that eat Samoa cookies, with the exception of David, of course are the same ones that come to college and don't know how to do their laundry. Oh my God. Grow up and stop eating Samoas. Lemon cookies is where it's at, baby. Let's go. And the tagalongs. And of course, Thin Mints. Thin Mints are kind of like the New York Yankees. It's just like, a, you know, anyone could put that hat on and, you know, exactly what it is. Like, All right, just... I'm passing you the Wilfred Brimley torch again because you're, you know, are you going to offer me a Werther's original with that lemon cookie too? I'm not going to lie, dude. Like my, my roommate's bought some candies Werther's original was in them they're actually pretty solid they're actually good really good yeah no i'm not gonna lie well i get it my grandma worked at a bank she always had them on her desk but they're old people candies but they're underrated so they are underrated all right put yourself out there and yeah we'll drop the cookie talk now although chocolate chip cookie is still the outright number one in my opinion oh easily absolutely let's talk about yasiel puig probably likes lemon ups let's talk about yasiel puig because this guy is still a free agent, and I'm checking the date right now. It's February 19th. We go back six, seven years ago. Everyone was touting up Yasiel Puig to be a superstar amongst the greats like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. Yet Yasiel Puig still has not received one offer from a team yet, as far as I know. What is going on with Puig? You know, yeah. he's not surprised he's unsigned. This guy right here. Yeah, I mean, I think this all comes down to, you know, some teams view him as a problem in the locker room, uh, you know, which I can't speak to because I, I obviously wasn't there, and I'm not going to slander Yasiel Puig, who, you know, was a postseason basically hero for the Dodgers. Uh, what, what it comes down to is last year he had 267 with 24 homers and 84 RBIs with 19 steals. This dude deserves to be on a roster, and I can't think of a better place to, to put him than in the AL West. Let him face the Astros. Let him let him have a job. The Angels need an outfielder. Why not? Why not them? I, I mean, this dude deserves to be on a roster. Uh, you know, people say he can be a problem in the clubhouse. Yeah, okay, maybe, but he still deserves to be on a roster, and that's there's no debate. Look, Yasiel Puig is a very talented player, and I'm sort of surprised he's not signed. With that being said, Yasiel Puig. Let's just call it what it is. And I, I, you know what? I was a fan of him when he was with LA and I, I wish the best for him. I think in a lot of ways he brings a certain energy and he brings a certain, you know, marketability, you know, although Rob Manfred seems to know how to do none of that, no matter what he's given that any team would sort of be lucky to have. With that being said, Yasiel Puig shows what is so great about baseball. And one of the things I love, let's call it what it is. He's inefficient. He yes. is unable to hit left-handed pitching. Yep. And to be quite honest with you guys, if you look at defensive statistics, last season he had a zero defensive run saved, and his ultimate zone rating was negative, which Damn ultimate right. zone rating 150. He's not the greatest fielder. He has the really talented arm, but 
you know, we saw even 2018 World Series, the first, you know, inning against Boston. He's gunning guys, and they're going to second, and he's inefficient. He, he's like when Dwight Howard came to L.A., just not super efficient. He has lacked to know his role. I mean, you remember the Wood, Chris Woodward when he left L.A.? He did his tell-all stories about Grandal, and what he said about Yasiel Puig is he would be ripping up the uh, defensive card, the thing that would tell you where to shift for each batter. Mm-hmm. he failed to learn his role and he failed to adapt after bursting onto the scene. With that being said, he's got the market ability. He's got the personality. He's got the flashy arm. He's got the extreme power at times, but while I think he should end up with the team and I think he's certainly very talented, um, they got to lower that asking price and wherever he goes, my, I would hope he would do a better job of starting to learn his role and starting to, you know, adapt in ways that it will make him, you know where's a, a perfect fit player. for him? Detroit? Japan. <laughs> he could be yeah. a superhero in Japan. I agree. They would worship him. He would destroy that pitching, and he could be the LeBron James of Japan. I, I could see it. I could see it because the Japanese league is the closest to it. He'll still be playing at you know, high-level talent, but he will certainly you know, be and able that's to not be to a say bigger, I don't think bigger fish be. in a small pond. Yeah. And that's not to say I don't think he shouldn't be on, a, on an MLB roster because he should. But, you know, you want to talk about endorsements and, and just being mm-hmm. a superstar, just tear up the Japanese league, Yasiel. All right. A, sign a one-year $10 million deal there and tear it up. And you'll, Time to you'll wrap get back show to the MLB. Up. Yeah. So we'll do this topic very, very quickly. I know this is what Ian wanted to talk about. It has to do with Little League jerseys. <laughs> Yeah, the Houston Astros um, have, you know, been an absolute disgrace and shame to Major League Baseball to the point where they might want to consider just disbanding them and making the Montreal Expos exist again. So, with that being said, Little League Baseballs, Little League Baseball teams across, you know, the nation, it started with one Little League in particular in Southern California, I believe, um, has opted to not allow the Houston Astros Little League jerseys and hats to be allowed in their league. And this is just, especially coming from Southern California, Dodger fans possibly. I, I love it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's sort of petty. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's, it's a sweet rule. And it just, it's just, you know, and I, my favorite thing about it is that I know deep down inside, it's bugging these absolute clowns on Twitter that defend the Astros to no end just simply because they're from Houston. I know it digs at their heart a little bit more than they want to admit. Because, like, everyone and their mother has basically agreed this team is absolute, you know, trash. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this. It's just, just, it's just another one of the – it's so petty. It's another little thing getting thrown at them. Keep doing it. Think in new ways. Be innovative. And just keep ripping up the Astros. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I mean, if Manfred's not going to do it, why not? They, they can do it. Yeah, at least right. the commissioners of Little League know what they're doing. Uh-huh. We'll close it out with – one final question on Twitter. This comes from Leo at Leo D. De La Rosa. He wants to know, who do you think will end up with the most home runs? And I assume he's asking for on the Dodgers, although maybe he's asking major league level. I think we can assume Dodgers. Yeah, I think it's safe. I'm gonna, I'm, my guess is going to be a Dodger guy. So I'm going to say, and this is not going to be a popular, necessarily popular answer, uh, I'm not going to say Cody Bellinger. I'm going to say Max Muncy. So what, is that, I guess, what is that grunt? So I guess I don't have anything to say because I was about to say Max Muncy too. <laughs> he will be hitting in a lineup with Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, and even Corey Seager and Justin Turner who are bigger names and a little bit more well-known in the league. Max Muncy's been, in my opinion, the most underrated offensive player in all of baseball the last two years. Yep. He has played discipline better than anyone I've seen in the league in the last two years, and he has absolute max power. He 40 will, home runs. He will not only hit over 40 home runs, he will receive MVP votes. I think he very well may end up being the most productive offensive player in the Dodgers lineup, similar to the way Rich Aurelia won an MVP, having, you know, being protection for Bonds. Rich you, 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 yeah, you put these big-name guys in lineups – it kind of focuses the attention off you. You get to see better pitches. Max Muncy will 100% benefit. He will benefit more than anybody from the Mookie Betts trade, I think, as a player. And he's, you know, the fact that Dodgers got him on this three-year deal, absolute steal. Did Richard uh, yeah. really win an MVP, though? No, it was Jeff Kent. Yeah, I think you're thinking Oh, no, Kent. no. Yeah, no, my bad. Jeff Kent. I got that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> no way. Who does belong no. in the Hall of Fame, by the way? 
but yeah, whatever. Don't care about yeah. Jeff Kent. Yeah, honestly, yeah, he played for he the was... Dodgers. Yeah, whatever. My no, he goes. First. He goes with that Scott Casimir, Manny Machado kind of like they played on the Dodgers kind of thing. No, Jeff Kent was. Yeah, no, he was, he was. He was more of a staple, he, he, but he was more yeah. of a giant, and I don't care about Jeff yeah. Kent. So I just yeah, don't yeah, 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 and an Astro. Yeah. Different Astros. Different Astros. The yeah, NL, the NL Astros are fine. I'm cool yeah. with them. We got like mm. end of career Jeff Kent too, so it's whatever. <laughs> Better true. than ugly, retire. I guess. But yeah, my pick. I'm going with. The reigning NL MVP. It's the boring pick, but I'm going Cody Bellinger. Safe hit, pick. No way. Who hit 47 <laughs> home runs last season. I think he's going to hit 45 in 2020. And the reason why I'm not going to pick Max Muncy is because I actually think by acquiring Mookie Betts, Max Muncy's going to focus more on doubles and singles as opposed to hitting the home run. And yeah. then by, break, by having... Yeah, you got to figure opinion, Muncy hits second, so that makes sense. And in my opinion, if I see the lineup right, it'll go Betts, Muncy, Turner, Bellinger. By the time they get to that cleanup spot, these pitchers are already going to be broken down, and that's when Cody <laughs> Bellinger is really going to do his damage, especially the second time through the batting order. So, yeah, I'm going Cody Bellinger. And I think the sneaky surprise, I think Cody – sorry, I think Corey Seager is going to hit over 30 home runs this year. Not gonna lie, Gavin Lux might be in the top five by the end of the year. He'll hit twenty, no doubt. All right, I'm interested to see that. That's a freaking all star lineup, man. Mookie it's Betts ridiculous. and Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger and Seager. Just, and just oh, get all these guys God. healthy. Just keep them healthy till the start of the year and let let them ride. Yeah, right. man. Wow. Whew. What a team. Thank you. Thank you guys for being on the show. It's always a great time. Any final thoughts? Uh, I said quite a lot, so um, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> car lights suck. I hate car lights. Okay. Turn yeah, those LED things down, people. I mean, like I, know everyone, I know you can't, but more so just like the people who manufacture them, just stop. I don't know what kind of car David drives, but if you ever see him on the road, make sure to turn your brights on. <laughs> Real quick, just I have a theory about David's thing. I don't think it's the car lights. I think people are really just dumb and way too many people drive with their brights on and that, don't know. That it. could be it. That's well, then stop that nonsense too. <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone thank you for listening to today's episode of the incline we'll be back shortly once spring training really gets rolling by then we're gonna start to have a small sample size and get a real idea of what to expect in 2020 so i all hope i all hope you have a great rest of your week because we are out On the same page, getting things done at work is easy. 
Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.